It's time for episode 182 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 29th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we're running out of... I'm your host, Dan Morin, and across from me is my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Timing. No, we're saving that one for a later. Come on. Oh, There's only so many time jokes we can do. Uh, We've true. made 182 already. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm well. This is the tech show where we talk with two wonderful guests about four technology topics. To my left, she's a frequent com- contributor at iMore. Georgia Dow is here. Hi, Georgia. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Do you have a spiffy title that I should should have used there? I, I like to just say Grand Pooba, but Grand you know, Pooba of that. iMore. No, that's it. And to my left, uh, he is the developer of the popular calculator app PCalc. It's uh, James Thompson. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, hello from this mostly United Kingdom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, too, too soon. Ouch. Too soon. Well, all right. Let's let's divert from that and talk about technology, which is far more uplifting. Obviously, I'm sure these will all be very optimistic topics today. I'll kick things off with a fear-inducing anecdote. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be a good show already. I can tell. Last night, I ran. Th- I ended up with a problem where my Bluetooth keyboard and ma- and uh, trackpad died. I restarted my computer and found I couldn't log into my account. And after a while, like retyping the password three or four times and being like. I know this is the password. I know I'm typing it correctly. I eventually discovered that my iMac had, uh, on reboot, booted from an internal drive that had an older install with an old password. (laughs) So that was great. But I wanted to know from you, since that got my blood pressure skyrocketing, what is the most fear-inducing tech uh, problem that you've run into lately? Okay, well, I'll, I'll hit this one off because this just happened to me. Um, I got back from Yosemite, but crossing the border, I had this really strong tech fear about what happens if the border asks for my uh, phone, computer, and passwords. Because uh, in the daytime, I'm a psych. I'm always a psychotherapist, but I work in the day as a psychotherapist. So I have not only my privacy to worry about, but also the privacy of all of my clients. And um, so the fear of, you know, what do I wipe? What do I say? How do I get through the border? How do I, you know, still deal with all of my different privacy and HIPAA things that I have to, you know, make sure that I'm dealing with and still make it into the States and back. And that was really nerve wracking. I am old enough and also adventurous enough that I have had many adventures in hardware, like opening the box and exposing the (laughs) delicate hardware Mm. inside a computer and honestly for me that's where all of my fear inducing tech stuff comes from all my stories my i uh like my apple II had a color monitor that was an rgb monitor which at the time you could only get by attaching pins to certain chips on the on the motherboard and one of the pins tended to pop off occasionally and i would have to open up the computer and try to stick it back on and at one point i apparently did something that fried the motherboard and that was pretty fear inducing um and i've had that with with uh doing mac upgrades too where i've taken i've taken macs apart and then you know you're like where did that screw go or where you know did i touch the wrong thing did i you know it's that moment where you realize you didn't quite 
put together, especially before there were smartphone cameras that you could just take a picture of it every step, which is a good tip, by the way, where I'd be like, <laughs> where did this go? And have no idea. So for me, as somebody who has never used a soldering iron and is just not a, I'm not a comfortable hardware hacker kind of person, but I am dumb enough to take apart computers anyway. It's all about hardware stress. That's for me. That's all. It's always about some sort of circuit board with chips on it that I have just hopelessly screwed up. Well, uh, th- that actually reminds me of one which I'll do very quickly: opening up a computer and changing a hard drive uh, with Steve Wozniak standing next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you will be judged. The one that got me was the time that a dodgy USB three hub corrupted both my external drive of photos, music, and movies and the time machine backup of said drive simultaneously. So when my iMac went to sleep, the hub was cutting power to the drives in some fashion, so they weren't being unmounted properly. Anyway, I woke up the iMac, both drives were dead. And the main drive was like a a big four terabyte one, so it was really too big to have an internet backup of it, so it only had the local backup, and it was toast. And it contained every digital photo I'd ever taken, along with various collections of media. Thankfully, I had a reasonably recent copy of the data on an old computer and I managed to piece together everything else I'd lost. But did I learn from my experience? No. Um, I'm running the same two drives now directly connected to the iMac. Yeah, you're still, still using the same USB hub. <laughs> that's, that's I am using right the there. same <laughs> USB hub, but I'm using it to just for other things. Um, and I still don't have any offsite backup of my photos. So uh, everything else, I've got multiple offsite backups like my code and stuff, but just not this big media disk. So I'm telling you this so that you all shame me into setting up a proper backup strategy for that. Shame. Well, those are all great stories. Uh, Let's go to topic number two. Georgia, what do you got for us today? Sure. Okay. So um, the House just voted to wipe away all the FCC's landmark internet privacy protections. Yay! (laughs) What? No? Um, So I I wanted to ask the question, um, should we care? And if so, what uh, could we do to protect our privacy, if anything? So most of the uh, service providers have privacy policies that are stated, but there's this question of like, they could change their privacy policies. And yes, your ISP could monitor all the traffic and they may already be doing it. That's coming out of your cable modem or other router. And they could then, uh, you know, compile a list of all the sites that you visited and all of those things. I think a couple of things might happen. One is that some of the ISPs may actually restate uh, what they're not collecting and make it clear. And that may assure some people, but I I think also what's going to happen is there is going to be an increased interest in a class of product that is a home router with encryption that I feel like a lot of VPN services are going to get more business and people are going to be more interested. I've certainly thought about this. I I would like I would like a product that I can stick between my network and uh, and Comcast that lets me say things like I want to encrypt all my outgoing web traffic. Uh, You know, I want to put that through a VPN or I want to put everything through through a VPN or maybe everything except Netflix and other kind of streaming video things. And right now you can do some of that, but it's very technical. It's very complicated. Or you can just turn on a VPN and encrypt everything that's going out, you know, from your individual devices, which is kind of a pain. So I think that's the next step for a lot of this stuff is that is that um, if there's consumer demand for privacy, and I think there's going to be more of that, I think that that is a trend, then there will be companies that will try to fulfill it. They will try to come up with, you know, more friendly to use products and services that let us encrypt our data. Now, you're still relying on your VPN provider to 
you know, give you privacy, but they are more motivated to do that than an ISP is. So being in the UK, I'm not sure how much this is going to change things for me. I've always assumed that as a non-US citizen, my browsing history is already being bought and sold as much as they can work it out through things like advertising analytics and so on. Uh, Over here, we have our own Investigatory Powers Act, which has meant that since the beginning of the year, some 40-odd government authorities have been legally able to access our browsing history without any warrants or anything. This includes the security services, but also organisations like the Food Standards Agency and the NHS, presumably to see if I've been ordering too much uh, pepperoni and pineapple pizzas or Mm. something. I believe that these uh, internet connection records, as they call them, are still not being actively collected uh, due to conflicts with various European privacy laws. However, as of today, the UK (laughs) government just triggered Article 50 for leaving the EU and all those pesky interfering European human rights laws will soon be a thing of the past. Um, At least until Scotland leaves and rejoins the EU again. Uh, It is tempting to get a VPN and access the internet via some other country, but given the recent noises being made in the UK following the incident at Westminster about not giving terrorists a place to hide with regards to -to end-to-end encryption, I'm sure all that is going to be outlawed soon enough here as well. Uh, So yeah, I mean, in the meantime, just make sure you're accessing sites via HTTPS connections that at least hides the URLs of individual pages you're viewing. Uh, and encrypts the communications. Uh, there's a browser plugin HTTPS Everywhere from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which will try and force this. Uh, sadly, it doesn't work with Safari. But yeah, I mean, I think there's some things we can do, but not a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is a complicated thing, right? Because there's a lot of different moving pieces in here. I mean, in short, the the stuff that, that is happening, you know, before... This not, this doesn't really change anything in the short term. These rules were not in place yet. This just prevents them from coming into place in the future and prevents the FCC from making those rules again some point in the indeterminate future, which sucks, but effectively does not change really the way that we were already operating. Um, it does change the fact that, you know, companies would have had to like basically allow you to opt out if you wanted to with the new rules. So that won't happen. But Jason's right. The privacy policies have already been in place. I'm sure people, uh, a lot of companies will be clarifying those. I think also in addition to consumer facing encryption stuff, I think I will be interested to see if services respond to this by beefing up things like encryption. So as James was talking about using uh, HTTPS, I wonder if a lot more sites and hosts are going to start switching, you know, making sure that that is an option or that the people are sort of required or largely suggested to use that. Um, there's also, you know, the issue that you've got different types of traffic coming in from a bunch of different services. Not all of this is not all of it is web traffic. Um, so a VPN can help you with some of that. But as Jason says, then you have to trust your VPN provider. Personally, um, I had a VPN set up on my home Mac mini, which doesn't solve the problem at all, because then I would just VPN into it and it would still go through my ISP at that end. Um, <laughs> so I set up a VPN uh, actually last night on uh, my my Linode server as a matter of fact. And so now I can sort of VPN into that and send all my traffic through there. Of course, it still comes out at that end, right? And so if they're really interested in building a profile for me, they have an IP address they can build all that against. So the short answer is it's pretty hard because the tools at the disposal of people who are like really interested in making money on you are pretty good and they have a lot of access to this and a lot of time and incentive to build these profiles. So 
it's only you can only get so good at these things i would i would be delighted to see more adoption of secure services and more products that sort of support the idea of running secure services but you know at the end of the day if there are companies that want to make a lot of money off of you they're going to find a way to do it. I think that those are all really good suggestions. I'm also, uh, even though I'm in Canada, because most of my traffic's still going to go to the States, and uh, yeah, we're also running VPNs on everything, though the fact that it slows down things is really annoying. All right, we're halfway through this episode. Time to take a break for our halftime sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Away. Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. That's why Away makes premium suitcases with fantastic features. They are very cool features. For less than 3 hundred dollars go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise to check out away's collection suitcases all made with premium polycarbonate it's unrivaled in strength and impact resistance while still remaining lightweight they offer four different kinds of suitcase the carry-on the bigger carry-on a medium and a large and there are nine delightful colors to choose from the interior of an away suitcase features a compression system that's incredibly helpful if you're an overpacker away's carry-ons are compliant with all major u.s airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack all away cases feature four 360 degree spinner wheels they move so smoothly it's so much better uh uh, I used to just have the two wheel uh, suitcases and they were terrible. And then I got the away suitcase and it is delightful to roll through an airport with this one. Uh, there's a TSA lock built in uh, and a removable washable laundry bag too. So you can keep your stinky clothes away from your, your clean clothes. It's very nice. Uh, the Perhaps the best feature of the away case, uh, the, the, the carry on, uh, it's got a U- integrated USB power source so you can charge your suitcase. And then when you're on the go traveling, you don't have to like cluster with the 10 other people who are by the one power outlet at the gate in order to top up your phone you can just flip open a little door on the top of your carry-on suitcase and there's a usb port and it will charge your phone or your tablet it's pretty great the single charge of the away carry-on can provide enough battery to charge your phone five times over so you will never be traveling somewhere and without power ever again that is absolutely my favorite feature i'm about to take a trip to the United Kingdom, including to where James is sitting right now. <laughs> and my away suitcase is coming with me. I'm going to do the whole thing in in the away carry-on, not even check a bag this time. And there, I didn't have a carry-on before that could do it. So I'm really looking forward to putting it through its paces in international travel. There's a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, away will fix or replace it. There's a 100-day trial, so you can live with it and travel with it. And then at any point, if you decide it's not for you, you can ask for a full refund. Go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise or use the code code clockwise at checkout and you'll get $20 off any suitcase awaytravel.com slash clockwise and use the code clockwise. You can also visit their stores in New York, LA and London where I will be soon. Thank you so much to Away for supporting Clockwise Halftime and Relay FM. All right, time for my topic. Uh, this one, I, I was thinking about the fact that Apple last week bought Workflow, the great iOS app that does automation. And I just wanted to take it much more abstract and just say, is there a product out there that you wish some big tech company would acquire? Well, of course, I'm tempted to say Pico. But, um, <laughs> I, I would like uh, the Logitech Harmony series of universal remote controls to be bought out by Apple. Not just because I'd like to see sort of seamless support for things like HomeKit and Siri, which they're not doing, uh, but because the configuration software could do with a lot of work. I've had at least three of the Harmony remotes, including the One, the Ultimate, but not the Elite. I actually had to look that up just now because their naming conventions are rather confusing as they keep having to one-up themselves with each product name. Is Elite better than Ultimate? Apparently so. (laughs) 
Anyway, the Mac setup utility is a wrapper around a web app based on Silverlight. And that's the only reason that I have Silverlight installed on my Mac. It's functional, which is all I can really say about it. There's now a native iOS app, which is a lot better, but it doesn't do anything. So you still need to have the desktop app around. Certainly, it's going a step in the right direction, but I would just like Apple to take it over and to uh, make it nice and Apple-y. Having said all that, given that Apple's idea of a remote is the one that shipped with the Apple TV, which is probably my least favorite remote control ever, uh, maybe they shouldn't be allowed to buy it. I do kind of want someone to buy Sonos. <laughs> and it's not because yeah. Sonos isn't a great company on its own. It is. I, I actually really like its product. Um, and I think it does a really nice job of integrating with a bunch of different services, which is fantastic. And I worry that if it got bought by a big company, it would lose some of those abilities. Um, but that said, I do feel like there is such a huge potential for, oh God, I really, is there a way I can talk around using the word synergy? There's such a huge potential for, <laughs> there's such a huge potential period, um, for it to, to work with other, um, other services more closely or be built into the operating system. I really love using the Sonos around the house, but the fact that it's not like directly tied into iTunes on my Mac or, uh, you know, on my iPhone that I can't just use the music app and be like, Oh, I'm really enjoying this song I'm listening to. Let me just play it on Sonos. Um, and yes, I realize that kind of sounds like airplay, but airplay is, is kind of a bag of hurt for me. So I mm. don't really, don't really enjoy that. Um, so I, I, on the one hand, I'd like to see maybe Apple have something like that. On the other hand, Amazon and the Echo integration, I think, would be really, really sweet. And supposedly that's coming down the road. But uh, until I can actually just tell my Sonos play this song everywhere in my house, I feel like there's still the possibility that uh, tighter integration would really benefit it. I would have loved if uh, instead of Google, Apple had bought out Waze. Um, because I loved using Waze, except for once I read its privacy and security measures, then I had to stop using it because they were really creepy. And I'm like, oh, and now after Google's bought them out, I'm like, I, Google already knows way too much about my life. Um, I'd like them to know less. And so I stopped using it because of that. But the, the, just the traffic in Quebec is so horrifically bad. I would love to know if there's, you know, um, stops a car that's like you know stops somewhere or anything else that Waze gave me without having to worry as much about privacy and security of them knowing everywhere that I'm going um, though Apple already does but also I'm like yeah I'll give it to them for me it's uh, very much a, a question of uh, most times when products get bought they are destroyed so um, Logitech in fact has bought two products that I really liked and destroyed them. So I'm tempted to say somebody should just buy Logitech and destroy all their products just to <laughs> see how, how it feels. But they just walk away with money in that situation. That's not right. So I'm going to say I want Apple to buy Trip Mode, which is this Mac app uh, that is from, uh, I think it's a Swiss company. And all it does is it is it makes your Mac aware of whether you're on a cellular network or a non-cellular network, more or less, is what it's for. And I want the Mac to have, uh, to first off, I want Apple to make Macs with cellular are built in. And for, to do that, you have to have integrated stuff that uh, routes your uh, network traffic differently, whether you're on cellular or not. And uh, the trip mode people have done a really great job at it. So maybe that would be a spur to get some nice talent into Apple to uh, to prioritize uh, making Macs friendly on cellular connections. So I'm going to throw that out there. Because quite frankly, in most cases, yes, if you've got a favorite product, don't have anybody buy it because they'll ruin it. 
Anyway, James, what's your topic? So uh, Elon Musk's latest venture is Neuralink, a company that wants to enhance our brains by merging them with computers and AI via a so-called neural lace. Uh, Would you like a computer implanted in your head? And if so, what would you like it to improve? Okay, look. I know a lot of people don't like the whole Internet of Things, you know, idea. And I'm someone who's, you know, invested a lot in smart home automation. And I'm fairly comfortable with it. I realize it's flaws. But everybody has their line, right? Implanting things <laughs> into your body is like past my line. I just can't. I It makes me squeamish. I don't like the idea. I don't want anybody near my brain with any sort of thing. I just, I'm convinced it will go horribly wrong And I just, even though, you know, the idea of having all that information easily at your fingertips seems attractive, I feel like it's just dystopia waiting to happen. So I I really don't want Elon Musk anywhere near my head either (laughs) if I can avoid that. Like, it's just, that's just frightening. Um, But the idea of having something implanted in my brain, it just, it gives me, it's just a visceral shiver. Uh, I can't really deal with that. So... I'm going to take a total and utter pass on this. And while you guys are all enjoying browsing the web through your eyeballs or whatever, I'm just going to be sitting here with my automated light switches, turning on and off with my phone. Yeah, I would also put this in the category of doing something because we can and not thinking about if we should. Um, And, you know, I've seen the Black Mirror episode where people had their brains hacked because of computer chips chips that were in there. And uh, that's kind of creepy and scary. That being said... Yeah, it would be really cool. Like if it was an interface that was like kind of like just not in my brain, but just kind of like reading my my brain waves so that I could speak to my technology, but nothing could speak the other way back to me. Um, and this, the Neuralink is kind of like thinking of that. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, that sounds kind of cool. I would love to be able and, and think about people that have locked in syndrome and so their brainwaves are moving, but they don't have any control over their bodies. How helpful this could be to be able to speak to people again and to be able to, you know, talk through a computer of what you need from certain things and ask, you know, your car to come get you and where you could drive and how that would give people a quality of life that they would not have. It's kind of neat. So um, we probably shouldn't do it, but we will because that's human nature. Um, And I think that there could be some good and probably some really creepy outcomes because of it. I would not want to be an early adopter of this kind of technology because I am concerned about. (laughs) Smart. I'm going to let other people, you know, it could be dangerous. Be the guinea pigs. You go first. Uh, But that said, I think about. Um, you know, think about getting older and whether whether you come down with something like Alzheimer's or whether it's just the normal effects of aging. If you if if we have technology that allows your your brain to be assisted in terms of storing memories and dealing with the world and processing information, so that uh, at a time when you your your um your life might end or fade away into nothingness that the technology can allow you to continue living your life. That is a huge deal if we can get to that point with this sort of neural assisted technology. So I think that there's a lot of places where this could be pretty amazing, but they're all far out. And if I, if we try to apply what we know about how messy and uh, unreliable computers and computer software are even today to our brains, we will realize the standards that we must have are so much higher than they are for outboard computers 
computers, if they're inside our heads, that we have a lot of work to do. So I don't actually anticipate this being something that's realistically uh, available for decades, probably long after we're all gone. Because although some people on the edge might try to install this stuff, I think we'll find very quickly that what happens when that software messes up is that you, what, take a belly flop into the into the front lawn until somebody reboots you? No, thank you. Sorry, my brain crashed. <laughs> Elon Musk really does seem to be following in the footsteps of his mentor, Tony Stark. Um <laughs> I've I've just been playing Mass Effect Andromeda, which I do recommend, by the way, even if it's got slightly wonky animation sometimes. But one of the plot points involves exactly this. Sound the very minor spoiler horn. The main character has an implant with a symbiotic link to a powerful AI, which mostly seems to provide not very useful in-game information, such along the lines of, uh, it's a bit cold, you should put on a jacket. But uh, in the game, it's kept secret because this line of research is considered uh, controversial and was banned. So this is all really firmly in the realm of science fiction today. And I don't honestly see this happening in my lifetime, uh, even leaving aside whether making a real AI is possible in the first place. But in any case, like like everybody else, I wouldn't be lining up to be the first one to have one fitted. To a certain extent, we're already enhancing our brains with technology. I mean, I don't need to remember phone numbers or calendar information or birthdays or things like that because my phone does that for me. You know, I can have a rudimentary AI in my ear talking to me right now and I can put on a VR helmet if I want to go to somewhere else. Uh, And it seems likely that future AR headsets are going to combine all of these devices into one thing and we might be walking around in realistically 10 years wearing something... uh, that is going to be telling us to put on a jacket. But I I just don't want it implanted in my head and messing directly with my brain. Um, when they repeal the brain privacy laws in 2037, don't come running to me. Thanks for that. That's I'm glad that you guys all had like way more positive ideas about where this could go instead of just my knee-jerk fear reaction. So that's great. Uh, Jason... Do we have just enough time for a bonus question? We do, but before that, I have to tell you about our other sponsor, which is Blue Apron, the number one recipe to delivery service. It's got the freshest ingredients, less than $10 a meal. Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes to you. They're fresh with the season, the high-quality ingredients that come in the box to let you personally make delicious home-cooked meals. Uh, Blue Apron is making home cooking accessible to everyone. They're giving you ideas with these new recipes, and they're giving you the ingredients in order to make the food yourself in 40 minutes or less you follow the easy step-by-step recipe card and the pre-portioned ingredients are there and you have made from scratch your meal that you eat at home it's pretty amazing i've been doing it for more than a year i love it it has added so much diversity to the menus that we use in our house our our dinners are far more interesting than they were when we were stuck in a rut before blue apron you'll be able to cook meals like spinach and fresh fresh mozzarella pizza with olives bell peppers and ricotta salad or perhaps crispy gnocchi with fontina cheese sauce and roasted baby broccoli these ooh, so good uh blue apron delivers to 99 percent of the continental u.s so you are probably within, if you're within earshot in the continental U.S., you are almost certainly in their delivery area. There's no weekly commitment. You can opt out if the menu for a particular week doesn't satisfy you. And the, the meals are always delivered fresh. And if there's something wrong with the contents of your box, they will make it right immediately. Check out this week's menu and get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash clockwise. You'll love 
how good it feels and tastes to make those home-cooked meals and then eat them. BlueApron.com slash Clockwise. Thank you, Blue Apron, for their support of Clockwise. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Time for a bonus question. My bonus question for you this week. Do you play a musical instrument? That's part one. Part two, is there one that you wish you could play, even if you already play some other instrument? Georgia? Oh, this gave me such trauma. I actually shrieked when you read this question. When I saw this question, it was, okay, so I'll go through my childhood trauma. So I wanted to play the drums. It was what I always wanted to play when I was young. Um, so I asked my parents if I could learn to play the drums. Well, they said kind of yes, I guess. But then they came home and instead they bought me an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I took accordion lessons when I was young. And like I'm just saying, when you're going through the teenage period, rocking out an accordion really doesn't go over well. Um, So it was my hidden shame. (laughs) I'm sorry to other accordion players. I'm sure it's cool now. Um, So I can really rock out a polka. But I stopped that after a while, never got to learn to play the drums. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then it hid in the closet for years. And I still think parents, what, why would you do that to anyone? Don't you love me? (laughs) Wow. I'm sorry to bring up that trauma. Uh, Jason, how about you? I learned to play the piano when I was a kid. I can still sort of play it. I can still sort of read music. I can't do it really well, but I can do it. That's about it. And uh, like uh, I would imagine a lot of people, I uh, I have enough rock and roll fantasies that I wish I could play the guitar, but I've never bothered to learn. So too bad for me. James? <laughs> well, I mean, I think many people would disagree that I can play musical instruments. However, I do own a zebra-striped, thunderbolt-shaped electric guitar that currently hangs on the wall in my parents' attic, like a heavy metal picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> I've owned many synthesizers over the years too. I sold my precious Roland Juno 106 synth to pay for my first Mac. But just this week, I've been playing with a perfect software emulation of one as a plugin for Logic Pro. And as a non-musician, I've still spent hundreds of dollars on music software and I enjoy writing music. Um, I also dabble in making girl talk style mashup things, which is great fun. Uh, I wish I could actually play any of these instruments with some degree of competency, but I don't think that should stop anyone from enjoying making music. And like Jason, uh, I took five years of piano lessons and can kind of play some stuff and can kind of read music, but not very well. And like Georgia, I always wanted to play the drums. Thanks for your input on that. It's the end of the show. All that remains is to thank our wonderful guest this week, Georgia Dow. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And James Thompson, thank you. Uh, It is a pleasure to talk to you from the independent nation of Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) And Dan, that's about it for us. So we'll be back next week. But until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Your ISP is listening. That's what you have to watch when you say. Watch it. Watch it. (laughs)